Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. So I want to start, though, with um, kind of an observation or two observations and then a question. I'll do a little different today. So here's, here's the observations. I've observed that there are basically um, two types of people. Okay, so one type of person is the person who says they have, their life is committed to Christ. At some point in the past, they've made a decision to follow Jesus. And their life is one that is kind of a faith-filled life where they have spiritual energy and zeal. They're hungry for the things of God. Living not a perfect life because they have problems just like everybody else, but they seem to live above their problems and they tackle those problems through the eyes of faith. They live in freedom. They live in victory. They live the life that Jesus referred to as the abundant life. Then you have another person I've observed, and that is also a person who claims the name of Jesus, who at some point in their life has said they've made a decision to follow Jesus, but their life is kind of like the polar opposite. They don't approach it that way. They don't have spiritual interest. They don't have spiritual zeal. They don't have spiritual energy. When they face life's problems, they kind of fall apart. Instead of seeing life through the eyes of faith, they look at through the eyes of fear and anxiety and worry. They don't enjoy freedom. They don't have the abundant life. They don't live in victory. And yet, they claim to be Christians. So here's my question. What's the difference? I mean, what is the difference? When you look at that, there are some similarities, right? Both claim to follow Jesus. Both, both at some point in their life said they've made a decision to follow Jesus. Both of them have lives that are less than perfect. They have problems just like everybody else. And yet one lives one way, kind of up here, and one lives kind of just, they, they barely get by. Why is that? Well, I think it could be summed up this way. I think one of those persons, the one that's living in victory and freedom, that person has discovered what it means to live the crucified life, while the other is still living in the flesh, still trying to do it, stay in control and, and, and live life with them seating, seated on the throne of their lives. Today, we're going to talk about the crucified life. I know it's a kind of a strange uh, kind of word if you've never really understood that. I hopefully I'll explain that, but it's a, it's a biblical principle that we're going to be looking at today as we continue our series called Unrestricted through the book of Galatians. Now, I want to kind of give you a little background here because when you're, when you're looking at these books of the Bible, sometimes um, you, you can miss it if you, like, let's say if you weren't here last week, I'm going to give you some recap, but even if you were, there's some things that you kind of got to stay on top of and think through as you, as you look at from message to message, particularly in a book like Galatians. As you recall, last week I mentioned that the book of Galatians is actually, originally was a letter sent to some churches in Galatia that the Apostle Paul helped start. They were having a problem, and that's why he wrote the letter, that he had gotten word that since he had been gone, when he was there starting those churches, when those churches began, they began with the gospel message, the good news of Jesus. That was, that was the simplicity of that message, where we are sinners in need of a Savior, and Jesus came to the cross, went to a cross, and he died on a, uh, on a cross for our sins. And because of that, we can have right relationship with God. But we don't add anything to that equation. It's Jesus plus nothing is the good news. We talked about that last week. 
And so what had happened is these people had come in and they had, they, they kind of started causing confusion and chaos within that church by saying, Jesus is not enough. You need Jesus plus religion. You need Jesus plus circumcision. Because in those days, either you were Jewish or you were a Gentile. Everybody who was not Jewish was a Gentile. The Jewish people were God's people, right? That's, and, and you look through the Old Testament, they were God's people. Then Jesus comes and Jesus says, now, you know, you can all be God's people if you'll follow me. But so there were the, still the distinction of Jews and Gentiles. And so the church in Galatia was mostly made up of Gentiles. But these Jewish guys who had become Christians came in and said, Jesus is not enough. You, you, you really, technically, you need to become a Jew first. You need to be circumcised. And then you can become a Christian. So they're adding to the gospel message. And this was a problem. And Paul hears about it. And he writes this letter. And he says, hey, guys, what are you doing? Why, why are you falling for these people? They, they are coming in and they're intentionally trying to deceive you. Um, you guys are, are drifting here. We need to get right. So, so in this, as we look at this second part of this, uh, he, he's going to begin in chapter two by talking about an incident that happened when Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, um, that we known as Simon Peter, Peter was known as the, as the apostle to the Jews. He was Jewish as well as so was Paul. But Peter kind of gravitated toward Jewish people and spread the gospel message to them. Paul, on the other hand, even though he was a Jew, kind of went to the unchurched, un, you know, unreligious group of people, the Gentiles, and said, hey, there's this Jesus who came and died for our sins. And so that was his ministry. Well, while this is going on, as you're going to see, Peter and Paul get together and there's a confrontation that leads to the statement about the crucified life. And so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse uh, 11. And here's what it says. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. So this is Paul writing to this church. And he's saying, hey, Peter came and I, and I had a confrontation. I opposed him because he was out of line. Watch what he says. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from the, these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. Even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. All right, so, so Paul says, I, I, I confront it Peter, because he was kind of two-faced. At first, he was okay. Hey, yes, Jesus and Jesus alone is fine. And he's, and he's eating with the Gentile believers. He's good. But then these other guys with, who were Jewish who became believers came in, and they're kind of questioning it. So Peter all of a sudden says, I don't want to eat with them anymore. And he's, and he's kind of playing both sides. And, and Paul confronts him and says, wait, that you're out of line here. And, and he goes on to tell us what happened. He says, when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are both, uh, you and I are Jews by birth, not sinners. That's what they call them, sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. So he's saying, look, the only way to have 
a relationship with God is through Jesus. Not by Jesus and obeying the law, not by Jesus and circumcision, not by Jesus and anything. And Peter, you know better. And now you're, you're falling for that. And he goes on to say, but suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we've abandoned law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore, tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self, here it is, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So again, the argument is that it's through faith in Jesus Christ and not by keeping the law, not by the rules and the regulations of the Old Testament. As New Testament believers, we have this freedom in Christ not freedom to do whatever we want to do, but we're free from the law, from keeping rules and regulations because no one, according to that, this scripture and others, no one is made right by keeping the law because we can't, we're not perfect. We don't get it right. So Paul says there's a better way and it's the crucified life, the freedom that you find in Jesus and Jesus alone. So today I wanna talk to you about living the crucified life because you may be here today and you may be like the person I, that I mentioned, the first guy who's living it out and, and you're living the victorious life and you might be like the other person. You say, I've claimed Jesus, but I don't have that life. I look at others and I admire them, but I don't have that life. Seems like they, they're living at a different level than I am. What's the difference? Well, maybe you have never discovered what it means to lay down your life and live the crucified life. Let me give you a statement that I thought of and, and, and this is what I found true in my own life. I don't want to give it to you. The amount of my spiritual energy, the faith, the victory and abundance that I have in my life is directly proportionate to the amount of my life that I turn over to Jesus Christ. Let me, let me say it again. The, the amount of spiritual energy, faith, victory, abundance, freedom, all of those things that I have in my life are directly, directly proportionate to the amount of control I give to him. So today I want to talk to you about the crucified life. So I've got just two points, and I actually want to start this by giving you a third type of person. I mentioned the two, right? The one who's living the abundant life and one who's not, but there's a third one. And now I'm going to just give you the first point, and it's this. Without Jesus, you're alive on the outside, but dead on the inside. Without Jesus, you're alive on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. So the third person I want to introduce to you now, because this is what the Bible teaches, that there are three types of people in this world, and you're going to be in one of these three camps, okay? Just going to tell you that. The first person that I didn't mention is actually the person without Jesus. He's never made it a commitment to Jesus. And this is the one that the Bible says is spiritually dead. They're alive on the outside, but they are spiritually dead on the inside. So that's the first person. That's the person that maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus. This is what the Bible said. You're spiritually dead. You're the first type person. The second type person would be the Bible talks about the carnal Christian. This is the one that is, 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 claims to be a, a follower of Jesus, but their life is really no different than, than the person without Jesus. They don't have spiritual 
energy going on. They have none of that. And then you have the third one, and that's the crucified life type Christian. That's the one who's living the Christian life the way it's meant to be lived. Well, let's get back to this one because we, uh, we need to just kind of talk about this because this is one is, is really, it, it starts here for every one of us. Like at some point, even if you're in the third group of, of you're living the victorious Christian life, you start it with this, as this person that you were lost, that you were spiritually dead. And without Jesus, you're alive on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. Don't you love the Bible? It just, the Bible doesn't, it doesn't mince words. It doesn't beat around the bush. It is very, very direct. I am thankful for that. I don't like, I don't like kind of just, I want bottom line. Do you guys like bottom line? Like if I go to the doctor, just tell me what I, what's going on here. Just don't give me a lot of medical terminology that I don't understand. Just give me the bottom line. I need to know what I, what's going on with me and what I need to do. Just tell me. If I go to the mechanic, I take my car in there. I want the bottom line. Just tell me what it is. Don't give me all the terminology. I just want to know what do I need to do? What's going on in my car, right? Isn't that the way you like things? I like it that way. Kind of reminds me of the, of this guy who, whose car was stranded on the side of the road. And a professor, a very learned person came by and saw the situation and he rolled down his window and he said to the man, your tubular air container has lost most of its rotundity. The motorist replied, say what? So he rephrased it and he said, the cylindrical apparatus which supports your vehicle is no longer inflated. The motorist said, I beg your pardon? So the professor now is getting a little irritated. He tries one more time and he said, the elastic fabric surrounding the circular frame whose successive revolutions bear you onward in space has failed to retain its pristine roundness. The motorist stood there clueless. About that time, a little boy on a bicycle drove by and he said, hey, mister, you got a flat tire. Bottom line, right? Just give me the bottom line. Tell me what I need to know. And this is what God says. If you don't have Jesus, you are spiritually dead. You have a pulse. Your lungs are working. Your heart is beating. But you are a corpse on the inside. Spiritually, there's no pulse. You're flatlined. That's what the Bible says. It says we're, we're like zombies. We're, 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 we're walking dead men and women. That's what we are without Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, another letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. Here's what he says. He says, once you were, it's, it's past tense. He's speaking to these guys. They're, they're believers now, but he's writing to them to remind them where they were. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of of the powers in the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the heart of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us, we didn't earn it. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. That's the truth. That's what, that's what he's saying. He says, with Jesus, without Jesus, you are 
spiritually, eternally, and hopelessly dead. You're not merely weakened, sick, disabled, incapacitated. You are dead, 100% dead. That's what the Bible says. And if you're here today or you're watching online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is where it begins. This is, this is what you have to do is make a decision to follow Jesus. And, and when Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, these believers, he said, this is the way that you used to be. It's past tense. You're no longer supposed to live the way you used to live because now you're in Christ and your passions and desires should have been crucified with Christ on the cross. All of that should be gone. That's the new life. That's the crucified life. But he reminds them, he says, this is how it was. Every single person at some point is lost without Jesus, but Jesus, but God is so rich in mercy that he sent his son Jesus for us. And he loved us so much that he did that. So, so this is the good news, right? This is what the gospel is all about. And if, if you don't know Jesus, there's hope in Jesus. He says, you're believers now. You're alive now. You're no longer spiritually dead. And now your life needs to be different. It needs to be under submission and authority of Jesus Christ. And you no longer are living by the old nature, the old desires of the old nature. And we're going to get more into the, the nature, the, 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 the new nature we have and the old nature we used to have coming up in chapter five. So I'm not going to go down that road too far. But, but God is, again, that's, that's the key phrase, the turning phrase in this whole thing, this transition. But God was so rich in mercy. And I just want to say, if you're a follower of Jesus today and you're enjoying that life that we talked about, the, the abundant life that Jesus promised, never forget that this is how you used to be and it's only by God's grace that you're saved and you didn't do it. That's the message of the gospel. So when you look at this, I want to give you an interaction here that Jesus had, one of the most famous interactions that Jesus had with anybody from a very religious guy. That's why I said that song a minute ago, break down the walls of my tradition and my religion and all that. This is the guy. This is a picture. And many of us are pretty religious people. But we need a relationship with Jesus. And this was the problem. This guy comes to Jesus who is a religious leader. He's a Pharisee. Here's, here's how it goes. In, in, in John 3, verses 1 through 6, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. In other words, he was a teacher of the religious law. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reduce, reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Jesus said, look, Nicodemus, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase what Jesus was saying. This guy comes. He have genuine curiosity. I don't know, but he's there. Comes to Jesus at night and says, hey, we know that you're sent from God. We get it. We see what you're doing, the miracles, the signs. You, you have, you're here sent to teach us something. And Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. In other words, you're really, really religious, man. You're, you're, you're Jewish, you're a Pharisee, you're a teacher of the Jewish law, the, the, the Old Testament law, you know, like the back of your hand, but you're missing out. You're religious, but you have no relationship with me. And you are just as spiritually dead as the person who knows nothing about God. 
because you've never made that decision to follow me. And unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He'll never enter the kingdom of God. It's impossible. And so Nicodemus says, well, how does that work? I don't get it. How can an old man go back to his mother's womb? And Jesus said, it's a spiritual rebirth. Because you, you were born physically, Nicodemus, but you've never been born spiritually. You are alive on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. And unless you give your life to me, you can never have spiritual life. So if you're there, okay, if that's you, and you've never given your life to Jesus, there's still hope, right? It's not over. This is the great news of the gospel, that God is so rich in mercy that he loves you enough to send Jesus and say, hey, look, make the change while you can. Give your heart and your life to Jesus. So let's just, let's just all agree, even if you don't agree, let's kind of agree on this point, that without Jesus, we're, we're alive on the outside, but dead on the inside, because that's going to lead us to the next point, which is about the crucified life, which is really what we wanted to talk about anyways. And that's, let me explain it, because again, that's, that phrase is probably... If you've never heard it, you're probably going, I mean, you know, understand that that's, that sounds like an oxymoron, a crucified life. Because like when you're crucified, you're supposed to be dead. How, is it, how do you have a crucified life? That's, that's what we're going to talk about. Here's what it means. Living the crucified life. Here's what it means. It means the daily denying of myself and my sinful desires. If you want to know what it looks like for someone who lives the crucified life, that's someone who daily denies themselves. And they deny the sinful desires. In Galatians chapter 5, let's go back to what it says. He said, those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Does that mean we'll never have evil desires? That we'll never have temptation? That we'll never have bad thoughts? No, it doesn't mean that. Because we still have this flesh that we wrestle with. Even though... When we give our life to Jesus, we have the spirit who lives in us. There's a battle. The battle, you know, good versus evil in all of us. But what we're supposed to do is the person who isn't perfect. Now, this is imperfection. This is a person who recognizes that they do have a sinful nature and they do have sinful inclinations and that they, they struggle with temptation, but they consciously make a decision. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deny myself. I'm going to nail my passions and desires to the cross of Christ. I'm going to live the crucified life. doesn't mean I'm going to get it right all the time because I'm not. But the general trajectory of my life is to follow him and to lay down my life to follow him. That's what I want to do. I'm, gonna get, I'm not going to get it right every time, but I'm going to sure try. That's the difference versus the person who just says, ah, it doesn't matter. I do whatever I want to do. Total different. The one is living the crucified life. It's not just turning over a new leaf. Okay, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. This is, this is consciously, intentionally, every day you wake up before your feet at the floor, say, God, you are in control of my life today. Give me strength when I face those temptations. Help me to find the exit way because the Bible says there's always a way out. Help me to choose that. God, I, I, I relinquish control of my life to you. There's this conscious decision every moment, every day to say, this is what I'm going to do. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said this. And he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus would make these radical statements all the time. He had throngs of people, thousands of people would follow him. 
And they, a minute, most of them were there because he did miracles, because he, he did cool stuff, and people liked to be around him. And Jesus would often go to the crowds and basically thin the crowds out by making some of these radical statements. He'd say, look, you, you can't really be my follower unless you are willing to, to take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me every day. You have to love me more than anything else more than your mother and father and brother and sisters and, and, your, and your wives and husbands, more than, even more than yourself. You have to love me. That's just, this. So he would raise the bar and people would leave because they weren't willing to do that. But this is where victory is found. And when we, the more we give up, the more we have. And remember what I, I quoted a verse of Jesus the other day, uh, a couple of weeks ago, where Jesus said, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll gain it. That's what it means. When you, when you come to this point in your life, you go, you know what? I've got a bunch of desires. I've got agendas. I've got motives. I've got all these things, but I've got to lay that down and, and crucify all those things. I just got to nail them to the cross and say, Jesus, you are in control of my life. That's what it means to live the crucified life. And, and on the surface, you might sound like, man, that's that's, a, that's an awful big commitment. Yes, it is. It's an extremely big commitment. It's the biggest commitment you could possibly make. That's why Jesus would say things like this. It says every, it, it's, it's like this conscious decision every day. Who's going to be the CEO? Who is going to be the one that runs my life? Who's going to be the one that sits on the throne? Who's going to be the one that makes the choices? Whose agenda is going to have? Is it going to be mine or God's? Who's going to do that? Every single day, I've got to deny myself. I've got to go, you know what? This is not about me. When I gave my life to Jesus, I signed away rights to my life. And I don't get to choose that any longer. So I'm in total submission to you, God, and anything you want from me. And it's easy to say that here on Sunday morning because we're in church, but how, how, how many know that it's so hard to do that on Monday morning, right? And this is where the rubber meets the road, and this is why it's difficult. And this, but this is why the people who, are, who just kind of give in to their desires and, and sinful nature are living that carnal Christian life. They're no different, really, than the other person, and they're miserable. But the people who are living the, this crucified life are the ones that we all admire, the ones that are living victoriously, the ones that have the energy spiritually. Those are the ones that we want. That, that, that's the model, right? That's what we want. And, and it looks like it's almost like a contradiction. It's like this paradox. Like the, the, the less of me and the more of him, the better it is. When our flesh says, no, I want more of me. But we have to deny that and say, no, it's not about me. And it's hard to do. Because so at the end of the day, only one person can be in control of your life, right? Like, like you can't be in control and God can be in control. It's impossible. If, if it's only one person can coach the team. Only one person can lead the dance. You ever watch like, I don't watch this show, but Dancing with the Stars, right? Dancing with the Stars is a great example of this. Okay, like the stars, the celebrities, they're not, they come in and they learn how to dance, but they're really not, the, I mean, they're the ones that everybody recognizes, but they pair them up with a professional dancer. And they're, all they're doing, the, the dancer is what makes them look good. They're not, they don't know what they're doing. But the dance, the one is leading the dance and they're just kind of following. This is the way it's supposed to work in our lives. You cannot be in control and God be in control at the same time. It's impossible. It doesn't work that way. If you don't believe me, I'm going to give you a little exercise. This is all skate. Everybody play around, even at home. You can, you can do this while you're sitting here. Everybody, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, while you're seated, just, just pick up your right foot off the ground. And I want you to just kind of do it in a, in a, a 
clockwise in a circle. Okay? Got it? Everybody doing it? Now with your right hand, while that's still going on, I want you to draw the number six with your hand. What happens? <laughs> Can't do it, right? Because what happens is, is you're going to probably end up going the wrong direction. It doesn't work. You know why? Because your brain won't let you do that. Now, you're all going to be doing this all day long. I know I can do that. You can't do it. I'm telling you, you can't do that. Because either you're left, either you're going to be doing your, everything's going this way or everything's going that way. This is, not, this is the way it works. And it's the same thing when it comes to who's in control of your life. It's either going to be you or it's going to be God. And by the way, even when you think you're in control, you're not in control anyways. But when you relinquish control and say, God, okay, you just do what you need to do through me. When you created me, when you thought of me before the laid the foundations of this earth, you knew me. And my days were already laid out before you. That's what the scripture said. And I want to tap into whatever it is you had for me and your, your perfect plan for my life. That's what I want. Because you knew me long before I was formed and you put in me all of what you wanted to accomplish whatever it is while I'm here on this earth. That's what I want. I don't want to get in the way of that. I don't want to mess that up by, by thinking that I know better or by thinking that I have a better solution for my life. I don't want that. I want everything that you have for me. I don't want to leave anything on the table at the end of my life that's saying, oh, what I could have had. I want to live my life to the fullest. And the only way I can do that is submitting my life to you consciously every single day. And the moment I try to get back on the throne, I got I to be reminded, no, no, I don't, this is not my throne. The throne of my heart is not mine, it's God's. And he needs to sit on the throne and I need to be at his feet in submission because he knows better than I do. That's the crucified life. It's, it's easy to talk about, it's hard to do. But here's what it says in Romans chapter 12. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And he says, look, here's, here's the bottom line. If you will just take your life and put it on the altar and you will just be a living sacrifice for God, this will be acceptable and holy worship to God of your life. That's what the crucified life is. When I, and I say, I am dying to myself. I am going and I'm sacrificing my life for the sake of the one who sacrificed his life for me. That's the life. That's, that's, that's where it's at. That's where it's found. That's the best life. And I know our flesh says, no, 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 no. You deserve, you, you should. No, no. The flesh is a liar. The spirit of God living in you is saying, I've got so much more. This is why Paul comes to this verse. My old self, the old way I used to live, the old desires I used to have, the, the, the path I used to follow, my old self, has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Total yielding of my life to the Holy Spirit. Dying to myself. That's what he said the old self. When you run into people that you maybe used to know, there ought to, there ought to be a difference, right? They ought to be able to see it. 
Like if, if, if before you knew Christ, the old self, if you ran into a person and they spent some time with you, could they actually tell the difference now that you, if you're a follower of Jesus? If not, there's a problem. Because our life should be radically different. And that's, what, that's where victory is found. So I wanna, I wanna circle back. I wanna circle back to what I first, the questions I first asked, the observations I, I, I first made. All right, kind of a, as, a, as a moment of really reflection, all right, there are the three circles, the three people, right? There's the one who is spiritually dead, doesn't have a relationship with Jesus whatsoever. And if that's you today, what you need to do is give your life to Jesus. You'll never regret that. It doesn't matter what you've done, how far you've, been, you've walked away from God, or none of that matters. All that matters is Jesus. All right, so the, if that's you, that's your decision. But let's talk about that's the second person, the person who maybe has made a decision to follow Jesus but is not living the victorious life. They're not living the crucified life, and you know it. All right, Let, let's just camp here for a second. If that's you, are you willing to do what you need to do? You go, well, what do I need to do? Is there any hope for me? Can I ever get that? I want that. I want that other life. Yes, but it's going to take denying yourself. It's going to take a conscious decision. And I said daily, but literally moment by moment of saying, okay, I need to continue to yield. I need to, in the words of John the Baptist, I need to become less. He needs to become more. Less of me, more of him. The crucified life where I am... I no longer, that's what he said, I no longer live, but Jesus Christ now lives in me. That's what it is. I, 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 it's totally different because before I knew Christ, I was alive on the outside, but dead on the inside, but I gave my life to Jesus and now I can be alive on the outside and alive on the inside. That's what I want. And the only way to have that is the crucified life. Again, it sounds like a paradox, but it's truth. So here's what I want to ask you. Because, you know, let's face it, most people are not living on that level, that plane that we want to. And it's not a mysterious thing. It's just a, a denying of myself and, and giving him more control. Remember what I said, that statement I said, the amount of energy, spiritual energy, zeal, vitality, abundance, victory that I have in my life is directly proportionate to the amount of my life that I am willing to yield over to him. So at the end of the day, all we're doing when, when we're saying, all right, I want that life, is to do exactly what God wants you to do. He doesn't want you to live a life less than. He wants you to live the abundant full life. And if you're not having that, maybe today you just need to just take some steps, repent of, of you being in control and saying, God, I am putting you back on the throne. So I wanna pray. Allow us time of reflection, reflection and, and, and to do whatever God's asking us to do. Father God, thank you that you are very bottom line with us. You're very direct. There, there's not, we don't have to read behind the, the lines and figure out what you're trying to say. It's like in some sort of code. You just tell us what we need to know. And then you put the ball in our court and say, okay, now you got to do it. So God, I just pray that for many of us, maybe we're not where we need to be. Maybe at one time we were living that crucified life, but we've kind of 
taking control of our lives again. We are now the CEO and we, we think you're working for us. And I pray, God, that we would repent of that attitude, that sin, and that we would make that right today by saying, I'm consciously repenting of that and I am putting you back on the throne where you belong. And God, I pray for those who maybe are here today or watching online who do not have a relationship with Jesus. They are spiritually dead. But you are here to resuscitate. And I'm praying that they would, just like that conversation you had with Nicodemus, that they would be born again spiritually today. That they would say yes to Jesus Christ and yield their lives over to him. And if that's you today, maybe offer a prayer like this to God. Say, Jesus, right here, right now, I am consciously making a decision to put you as my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to forgive my sins, to come into my life, and to change me. God, thank you that we have your word that leads us and guides us and your Holy Spirit living in us to help us to do what we need to do. May you be glorified in us as we live out this crucified life. In the name of Jesus, amen.